What it do, my people? <laughs> <laughs> Solid. <laughs> Hi, guys, and welcome to the Reason to Behold podcast. Um, with who am I introducing? Arnold Reasons, Tolu Talks, and myself, um, Pete from the Blacksmith Furnace. Pleasure to be here again, guys. Uh, thank you for making me do that. <laughs> welcome back, Peter. Welcome back. It's good to have you on as usual. Uh, what's this going to be? The Laughing Podcast. <laughs> hey. How are you guys doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, it's been a, it's been interesting. An interesting week. Haven't gone outside starting to feel a bit claustrophobic but it's it's all good yeah what have you been doing with your time inside guy um for me working uh it's been a lot more time behind the computer uh just working really yeah um yeah and getting to spend a lot more time with my daughter as well so that's good yeah yeah i think likewise man my screen time just on Mm. my laptop has just gone through the roof man honestly because it's like i'm when i'm working for work work i'm on the laptop when Mm. i'm working with the shop i'm on the laptop when i'm working (laughs) just on other stuff reasons behold i'm on the laptop and so i'm finding that i'm spending a lot of time here um like peter as well spending a lot of time with my daughter getting acquainted with her cry (laughs) 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 learning to discern the differences between her cries as well which is really interesting because I think in this time, obviously being at home a lot more, I definitely think that I'm I'm probably a lot more in tune with her, her habits, her cries, her ways mm. than I otherwise would have been if we didn't have the situation that we're in where everybody's been working remote and stuff. Yeah. Which yeah, is really interesting. I think for me, that's what's been really cool about all of this is seeing how different people are really getting plugged back into their families yeah yeah you know because especially if you've got a family where both parents work it's so rare for the kids to have their parents around like this yeah you know? and i think especially within the company that i work in they've been very flexible and very accommodating of stuff like you know if you're on a call and your kids are coming in yeah like people just attend to their kids you know yeah. and it's just normal yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and it means you really get to see a different side of your colleagues and stuff as well like you get to see them interact with their family with their wives with their kids it's really cool it's been yeah. really cool to see. Yeah. have you guys done anything funny for like your video calls any weird um filters or anything yet no <laughs> it doesn't your work video calls yeah what's been happening in your video calls bro this sounds interesting well i i guess because we're you know obviously because we're a bit we're it software engineering yeah so we're a bit more familiar with it we've had someone come in as a potato what what yeah 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 so as in they they like how did that work what would you like when you say they came in no, there's a filter. There's a filter you can download. So I okay. think it's a snap camera yeah, yeah, yeah. that you can put on your machine. And literally, wow. you can put different filters. Someone was in a desert. Yeah, we've, just, <laughs> we've had a few a few interesting ones. We have a guy on our team who actually dresses up. It's not even a filter. Like, he fully will wear outfits and masks. Really? And like, yeah. Yeah. 
I did that for Casual Friday. I wore full on three piece suit for Casual Friday. <laughs> That's how you make a statement, man. Well, the the context of it is, and the reason why they found it so funny is our, our dress code is smart casual. Yeah. The extent of my smart casual is I will tuck in my shirt. That's it. <laughs> like, I don't I don't do smart casual at all. Obviously, I think I have improved, um, and I think I even mentioned this at one point that you guys talking about you know dressing a certain way yeah um, was was a catalyst to me improving but you know i i rarely ever dress super formal so when they when we switch on to a work call and i'm in a full three-piece suit everyone's wow. just dying <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome yeah so something i saw on instagram was about um how people are because obviously a lot of husbands and wives hadn't spent that much time together mm. like this so they were talking about navigating that and obviously you know i'm single so there's there's no drama between me and me but <laughs> i'm just intrigued to find out you know the good sides for you guys in terms of being at home this much more and how are you navigating some of those tougher things where you know actually you're both just in the house because this situation isn't normal and because yeah. you can't go anywhere that claustrophobia that you're talking about in terms of we are just stuck here yeah it does bring out some irritations and stuff like that so how are you guys navigating that arnold i'll let you go first nah i looked at you as well to let you go <laughs> grenade the thing is, do you know what like I'll, I'll be honest man i think it can be difficult at times because naturally when you're spending so much time like without going outside like i feel like i can in a loose way understand what some people in prison might feel like mm. um because obviously not going out for however many days at a time and just yeah man <laughs> i think it's because it's not by choice it's not yeah. like i've yeah. decided i'm going to be in my house like, exactly because yeah because on a normal day like i don't really go out that much anyway but i think because obviously the situation that we're in and it's like a pretty much a compulsory thing Mm. It, it definitely comes with its pressures but i think i'd for me one of the things that helps to alleviate is actually going out man like mm. and that's thinking about okay so what do we need in the house because if i feel myself seeing the pressure build up on the inside of me i just mm. think all right cool what do we need in the house and mm. just head out to the shops and i think just that drive just being out in the fresh air is something that does really help to almost just reset my mind and mm. my thinking so that by the time I come back you know I'm a lot more mellow um mm. <laughs> <laughs> cause listen because the thing is I won't even pretend and it's not because I'm, I live with a bunch of crazy people or anything but I just think it's the situation it's like yeah. when you're in such a confined space obviously it means that you cross paths a lot more it means that you like I'm normally not in the house as much as I am you know my setup mm. for work has got in the way of the house completely because now like the table that we mainly use to eat dinner on has now become <laughs> the home office pretty much. Mm -hmm. And so again, little things like that yeah. will definitely um, have an impact. But then I think on the flip side as well, some of the, the, the good things that we've been able to do is obviously, yes, mind our door and stuff like that together, but also just spend time just chilling out and doing a lot low, a lot more low level stress impact kind of things like just playing games mm. um watching a few tv shows and stuff like that which i think also has helped 
we try to open the windows to get fresh air like i go out on the balcony as well like and sometimes i'll just sit out there like not with any agenda just to sit out there and just be in the element of nature um but yeah so i think that's kind of how it's been on my end how about you peter i mean um you know pretty much you know i can relate to um you know just going outside and that being a reset um and i found where i've had to go and like um buy stuff for the household yeah. that's been you know I've, I've actually enjoyed those trips yeah it's like, <laughs> you know, it gets to go outside of course there is also the element of um worrying about like catching an infection or whatnot you know social mm. distancing you know surfaces and all that but um that's been that's been real um yeah. i think for me as well it's been it's my major my most probably difficult thing has been because by nature of my work i'm someone that needs to get really sucked into what i'm doing like i need to be super focused Mm. headphones in i don't want to know anything else going on yeah and that's hard to do when you know your wife's here when the baby's here it's like i feel like i'm present at home but not really present because mentally i'm trying to i'm trying to work yeah so that's been really hard to navigate that's been very hard to navigate um, and luckily, I think, as I told you, you mentioned, we, we, we've got really good colleagues as well that understand that. And so mm. it's like, if you need to do your work later on sort of thing, just make it work. You know, let's get the project out. Let's meet our deadlines. Mm. But it's not so much have your, you know, have, be sat down in front of the computer during workouts. There's no real, you know, restriction there. Mm. And so I've sort of been trying to manage it that way. But it's been interesting at the very least it's been interesting how's it been for you Tony? um i think for me it's more about because i live with one other guy um uh, he's a real cool guy we get on real well but we don't really spend that much time together so we have quite a lot of space to ourselves which is cool so i think for me it's been more about learning how to manage myself better um because i have some kind of slightly workaholic tendencies you know like i actually enjoy what i do so it's very easy to just keep going once kind of whatever time rolls around Mm, but i think for me that's where i'm trying to really work on myself is okay at a certain time put my laptop away while my work went away Mm. and start doing something else you know whether it's reading or watching something online or trying to figure out some of the other projects that i've got going on Mm. yeah um I think that's where I've really been kind of working on myself. And it's actually been really fun um, to, to try new things, learn new things. Um, but yeah, the work side of it, that's where I'm really kind of trying to find balance. Because mm. the days just kind of bleed one into the other, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we had Easter, I think it was last week, and it was like a four-day weekend. <laughs> and I didn't realize I needed a four-day weekend. Like, I came off it like a new man. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, I'm rested. Like, I didn't, I didn't, and I purposely turned off my laptop for work. I didn't do anything for work. Wow. And yeah, it really, it was really, really good. It really rested me. Yeah. I think making sure, finding those, or creating those new routines where you do switch off from work yeah. at some point yeah. is so, so vital right now. 
Definitely. Definitely. Especially because what you said about, you know, some people are now working different patterns, right? So because they can't work, you know, during lunch when their kids are need lunch, you know, so people are working later. And when you need those people, I try and catch up with them when it works for them. But that also means, you know, I'm now working their pattern as well as mine. Yeah. So it is just really finding that balance between, okay, how do we actually still get stuff done? Yeah. Um, without working way too many hours. Mm. Um, but I found that really just try, I'm just trying to make more time to just develop like spiritually in this time Mm. because it's really rare that like, it's like all the things that would distract us normally, they're like gone, you know, like for me, like gym, basketball, going out for dinner with friends, you know, all that kind of, all the social stuff, like it's just not there anymore, Mm. you know? And so it's being conscious with what I feel that time with even just commuting to work. That's like two hours a day. Mm. You know, what do I feel that time that I would have been commuting with? And that's where I've been trying to be a bit more intentional. Um, I'm not always doing it very well. Like I did watch a whole season of a show in one day. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yep, 15 episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it's trending in the right direction and that's been really good for me, I think. Yeah. It's good man and you ain't the only one that's watched the season recently as well man. <laughs> <laughs> Closing out on a second season actually. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll take a break after that. <laughs> or the third season anyway. <laughs> but yeah, that's interesting. Random um thing that one of my friends told me the other day with the whole working from home um situation. He was telling me that in his company, they randomly spring video calls on them just to like almost catch people up. So like you can be literally, you can be told, yeah, we're having a call in two minutes. Mm. And then all of a sudden there's a video conference call that everyone's on. What do you guys think about that? (laughs) What's the motive? Like, is it to actually catch people out? I guess it's keep people on their toes. Yeah, it, it does keep it keep it's, it definitely. Will, I can't why, see why any other motive. No, but why so, do I need to jump toes? so so this this opens up part of a wider conversation. Like, is mm. remote working? Is it something that, from your point of view, we can talk about it, is beneficial for mm. companies to do? Like, obviously, right now, not everybody can work from home, but those that can are working from home pretty much. Mm. So yeah. going entirely remote, what do you guys think about it? Do you think it's actually more beneficial for companies? Do you think that there's that the costs are more? And obviously this isn't professional advice, it's just sharing your opinions, you know. We're just, we're just talking about, we're feeling it out. Personally, I think it depends on the company and the industry within which that company exists. Mm. Because I find like with with software, with IT sort of things, like we are finding that we're being much more productive working the way we are now. Yeah. Um because everyone's able to, you know, you're comfortable, you're, you know, you're doing what you'd do at work in the comfort of your pajamas sort of thing. And it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's super, it's super chill. People yeah. are more creative, people are more, and also because, you know, maybe we don't have those clear cut lines between work and home. Mm. I find I'm working more hours, Yeah, getting more done, you know, almost so. Maybe the company is even benefiting a bit more from us working remotely. That said, I think um, 
some companies or, or some people I know struggle with this transition because that's not the way their company is set up. Yeah. Those face-to-face conversations, those walk up to someone at their desk and then say something like those are much more important to the daily, you know, in and outs of what they do. Mm. And so working remotely makes it a lot more difficult to achieve that. So I, I, I think it depends. I think it depends for us software guys. I think it's it's a benefit to work remotely. <laughs> yeah. And it's no surprise why a lot of companies, a lot of software companies allow for that. Um, but in other in other areas, I can see how it could be much more of a bane than a blessing. Yeah. Mm. And I think it depends on your company culture and also yeah. the maturity of the people who are working there. Yeah. Because I think with us, one of the things that was a concern, not necessarily in my team, but we have quite a lot of junior, kind of you know, new into work people. Yeah. And their jobs are quite kind of manual, repetitive, that kind of stuff. So I know there was quite a big concern about, okay, how do we make sure that people are still doing what they need to be doing? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think part of it is in instilling trust in people, yeah. you know, and managing more like outcomes. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is what you need to get through. Are we making sure you're getting through it? Because, you know, whether or not you're doing it at one in the morning, because that's what time suits you, or, you know, whether you're doing it nine to five, it shouldn't really make a difference as long as it's done on time and to a good standard. Yeah. So I think if you have an environment of trust and accountability, then I think it works really well. Um, But I think like what Peter said, there are some times when, you know, just walking through the office, you'll bump into someone. Yeah. And you will have a conversation that will totally change, yeah. you know, everything. Mm. And that opportunity isn't there anymore. Mm. Um, so that kind of networking, that influencing that kind of happens as you are around people, mm. it's a lot harder to do that. You have to think of someone to bump into them virtually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, so I think it's a really interesting balance. And I think going forward, I think we'll all definitely spend less time in the office. But I don't think it will be like this where we spend yeah. no time in the office. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. How are you finding it? How, what, what, what's, what, what have you seen, Arnold, with regards to yeah. the whole remote working situation? Do you know what? I think going entirely remote has really made me appreciate going into the office yeah. a lot yeah. more. Um, because I guess my setup is that I'm, I'm not in the office five days a week, so I do work remotely. Um, already as part of my normal pattern anyway and and I think I can see the big difference um, when everyone just goes entirely remote myself included because like you guys have mentioned those little interactions and even if you think about just the little tensions like if you've had a bad morning for example and then you walk into the office and then there's that colleague for example who you know is just always on cloud nine that just says something that just almost bursts the balloon of tension that might have been on your shoulder like that doesn't Mm -hmm. happen anymore Mm. and so i think from my point of view i've definitely come to appreciate those interactions a lot more and i think that there are definitely benefits um like you've mentioned about even productivity um where i even find myself probably working outside of the hours that i otherwise would have But I think one of the things I've questioned is how sustainable that is long term and what kind of an impact that would have on not just mine, but people's in general work life balance. Mm. And whether that's something that could eventually become an issue. Um, Mm. I do look forward to 
meeting my colleagues in person once again someday soon for real. Yeah. <laughs> for real. Um, just because i think even in terms of like company culture with what you mentioned totally the, the, the company that i work for they are very much um it's the first smaller in size company that i've worked for since graduating mm. but um but it's very the culture is very like almost family like yeah um mm. and i think because of that you you definitely feel it when you don't see these people um mm. as frequently as you maybe did before and so so yeah so it's definitely been very different and i think i know that it's not just i'm, I'm pretty confident that within the whole of my company even just from like some of the messages on teams like, mm. i know that everybody looks forward to people someday meeting again yeah. man <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah so it's good and on the whole trust management style thing that you mentioned as well i think that's huge man because mm. it, you it, it's i i'm really i don't like micromanaging and mm. i don't like being micromanaged like and i think as adults who are responsible for different <laughs> things um micromanaging is never a good thing and i think that kind of to feel like you're almost being policed in your your working is never a, a good thing to feel so so yes i agree with what you were mentioning about the importance of focusing more on outcomes because mm -hmm. like even in the company that i work for like i'm really grateful because i think that is the kind of angle that they come from as well Mm. Um, in that we have like we have head of meetings once a week where we catch up, touch base on where everybody's at, what everybody's got coming up. But between then and the following meeting, unless there's anything like urgent that needs to be discussed amongst you guys, it's pretty much just manage your outcomes, and that's the mm. main thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's been my experience. I was gonna ask. I don't. I don't know if you've touched on this, but how has this affected your like your um, the fellowship wise, the community of the churches sort of thing, your community with your church folk? How's how's the remote thing? I don't know what you guys are doing remotely for church service and stuff like that. But how's that affected you guys? Um, so I think from our point of view, well, for me, so because our church has quite um, quite a big service culture. Mm. So our church is quite new. It's about two years old um, and still in its growth stage. So there's maybe 15 to 30 people that kind of mm. come on a regular basis. Um, and we don't have our own building. So we meet in a school. Um, mm. So everyone comes maybe an hour to an hour and a half before church, um, sets up together. You have your teams. We have something called huddle where someone will bring an encouragement um and then after service obviously everyone fellowships and then you have to pack down together so our service is only for like an hour but you've got probably three hours either side where you're just fellowshipping with people and chilling and that's the thing i think i'm really missing because we still get the word and worship and stuff which is good but that actual like serving with people and fellowshipping in that way that's that's not there so now we have like zoom fellowship and stuff like that but it's just it's not the same no you know and i, I actually miss serving with people and the conversations you have while you're doing that you know that interaction yeah, yeah. how about you arnold on our end it's not been a huge difference <laughs> straight um so we are not so we're not actually a part of like a formal local church gathering in that sense we um one of the things that we do which has been affected 
is intentionally spend time with other believers in their homes mm. and mm. Um, fellowship in that kind of a way so i guess that part has been cut off mm. but in terms of how we i guess operate day to day in our home and in our fellowship that's pretty much maintained and been the same mm. um and i think outside of that there's been <coughs> there's been a few like obviously we've had a lot more conversations i think on the phone in general Um, with just a lot of the believers that we're connected to to almost I guess compensate for that and it hasn't been like anything that is outside of organic because they're just normal conversations that we would always have yeah Um, but yeah the physical meeting definitely has been cut which we definitely feel but I think Mm. also at the same time it coincided with us having had our baby recently as well which mm. naturally changed our routine anyway and course, the amount yeah. of time that we were going out anyway yeah so so yeah how about that, you? that's interesting well i was gonna go ahead, ask go about well, i was gonna ask about um what prompted your decision to sort of switch the way you fellowship to that sort of model yeah yeah all if right it, that, this, this so, sorry this to take my it podcast <laughs> I'm in the hot seat today. (laughs) No, do you know what? Um, I think it's it's been a journey um, overall where, honestly, I'll just say that looking at early patterns of the church, looking at um, what we have today, and I guess searching out how we got here. Okay. I think those are some of the things that prompted... Um, the shift for us and beyond that actually even like don't don't get me wrong like we don't have anything against local church gatherings like we support a bunch of local churches um, in general people that we know that are a part of them people that we know that are leading them and stuff like that and I'm looking at the chat (laughs) (laughs) but um but yeah so like we don't have anything against it it's not something that we would demonize per se but I think it's just searching out what we have today and i think trying to really trace the roots of where that came from yeah. and whether that is actually something that is um a what pattern that we want to build on what we have today? are you referring to like the way the early church would meet in people's houses and yeah yeah, where, yeah. So, so, yeah. so so yeah so biblically speaking church history yeah. that was a very yeah. common thing um and i think when to answer tolly's question as well when i'm saying about what we have today i'm speaking about the sunday service so to speak mm. and what mm. that looks like what its construct is made up of mm. i think searching out some of the the roots of where that stuff seems to have stemmed from mm. has it, it raised questions um it doesn't mean that it's something that can't be redeemed or it doesn't mean that it's something that cannot produce good that's something that i want to make very very clear yeah um but it's just something that isn't consistent with what we're doing at least in this season anyway I think I think what's really interesting about this for me is that I think just like people doing church the way that we do it now has its kind of its good points and its bad points. Yeah. I think also kind of what you guys are doing has its good points and it has its bad points. 
And I think what's been really interesting for me with watching your journey is seeing how you guys have navigated it because I've actually seen, like if you'd said to me like before, like, yeah, we're, we're not gonna be, I'd be like, are you okay? Like, <laughs> <laughs> everybody needs to be plugged into chat. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think sometimes these things aren't as always as clear cut because you know that verse that everyone will tell you about, oh, don't, fors- don't forsake the gathering of the brethren and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. And I think what I've found interesting about you guys is that actually you have a lot of that, yeah. you know, that actually a lot of people who are going to church on a Sunday don't necessarily have. Yeah. And I think there there has to be a balance because I've also seen, like you said, like a lot of the stuff that comes out of some of the ways we do church, it's it's not helpful. It can be quite hurtful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and it's just understanding that balance. You know, yeah. because I feel like for me, Sundays is good because it's that corporate setting, you know, everybody together, uh, that one accord, you know, there is something different about it. But if you don't have the the fellowship throughout the week going on as well, and it doesn't have to be all together, like even just relationships that yeah. you're counting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really dangerous because you're just getting fed once a week and nothing else happens throughout the week. Uh, um, but yeah, watching your journey has been interesting very interesting <laughs> and see, seeing where you guys are going to go i think for me has been interesting too yeah um because yeah i'm still like i see a lot of the good but i'm kind of like but don't you guys just miss like being in a church <laughs> do you know what i mean like it, it, yeah. <laughs> this 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 is like a five podcast kind of conversation man mm. but um, i mean sorry no go ahead go yeah ahead. finish your point well i was, I was gonna say cause i was gonna bring it back to what we we're talking about um and and the reason why I sort of it, it sort of picked my interest was um, I, I I'm part of a, a church plant now as well. It's yeah. super small, um, and the whole impetus behind that was um, the church as it's become to some extent has lost the um, the the individual kind of love that you have for one another because in a corporate sense you know it yeah. just doesn't scale yeah you know if you've got thousands and thousands a mega church you know it's it doesn't scale as well um but why though? let's talk about it well since because... we're in this conversation we might as well <laughs> <laughs> i've got some questions too <laughs> oh, i don't i don't know i don't know <laughs> i don't know I don't want to call people out. I'll leave that for the Blacksmith Furnace. We, we tend to do that quite a lot. <laughs> but it, it's just not practical for a um, someone like a, you know, I, I have to call him out, someone like a Joel Osteen to know every single member <laughs> of his congregation. But I, but I don't think that's what it's about, though. Well, no, it's, that, I... it's not. But then it's easy to get lost in the, to get lost in the mix of things. Do you know what, right? Mm. Okay. So when I first moved to London, right, mm. or St. Albans, I went to Hillsong, right? And I love Hillsong, right? And when I first went to Hillsong, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to church and I wanted to come home. I didn't want to engage with anybody, right? <laughs> I didn't want to. And in Hillsong, that's really easy to do because yeah. it's huge, right? But then there came a point where I wanted to serve and I wanted to get plugged in and I wanted to fellowship with people. Uh, and you know what? It was so easy to do in Hillsong because if you want to connect with people, uh, it's so easy to. And I think 
with the point that you were saying around like kind of these mega churches like is everybody going to personally know the the main pastor no but also is that how it's going to work like at work do i personally know brian roberts no i was even going to go as far as to say is that down to our modern understanding or expectation of what a pastor should be or Mm. who the pastor should be or how they should interact with the people connected to them but let's even take it biblically, right? Let's, let's, let's go back. No, let's even go Old Testament, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. What did Moses's father-in-law say to him? That he can't deal with everyone's issues. He has to appoint elders and Thank sort you. of create yeah. little tribunals as would work. But Uh-oh. the model there, the model there was before everyone was able to come to him. It just wasn't sustainable for him to deal with everyone's issue, but everyone yeah. had access to him. I I think, but there's also different levels of access, right? Because even with Jesus, not everybody had access to the same extent. Do you see what I mean? No, but then every one of Jesus' sheep, he knows their voice and he's able to go after the one and leave the 99. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, know, I, I, comp- I completely get what you're saying Into Tor, and I, I, <laughs> I, no, I actually actually I actually really appreciate your example of Hillsong because that would have been one of the first examples I'd give but then I'd also say yeah I don't think the head pastor has to or must know everyone individually but I think where there's a mega church it's easy to get lost it's easy to get lost and if if, if you're not blessed to want to engage it's easy for you to just sort of coast by and we see a lot of people do that even in a small church if you don't want to engage you don't mm. have to and this is the that's thing. true that's true it's about where are you at mm. what you're trying mm. to because i feel like for me like when you try and get plugged in somewhere it really happens unless it's a dysfunctional kind of place mm. right but I think what mega churches need to be good at and not all of them are is having the structures in place right to make sure that okay we have a million people those are split out into this many groups you know there's this many pastors per person so that if somebody really wants that connection it might not be with the you know the Joel Osteen but they will still get that mini that kind of yeah. Yeah. mini Joel yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that I hear that I hear that for sure um, but I mean, for for me anyway, my experience was um, I've always been active in church. Oh, I always was active in church, but at least in the churches that I found myself as part of, that were mega churches, that sort of reputation name became a bit more important than the smaller individuals. Mm. And so you'd find people that wouldn't get the same sort of attention, or they would. Um, they wouldn't get the same sort of grace that someone else would get maybe because they don't know the district head pastor or the... But, but hold on. Let, let me, let me, let me... Okay. Mm, I think because mm. for me, I've been in massive churches. I've been in like kind of smaller churches, but still mm. quite big. Mm. And I think that sometimes what you find is that we don't always see both sides of the story. Mm. Right. So some of those people that are getting that more grace it's because they have been there for so much longer they have proven themselves in that place so i was part of the leadership team yeah of one of the bigger churches so i saw it from both sides in the sense of i saw Check. which people <laughs> <laughs> i saw which people were getting more attention and which ones weren't okay. you know and and especially in an african church because both of these 
all African church interesting yeah, yeah. I was I was part of one church that was super big on the appearance of discipline because that's what they were sort of known for yeah. and I think people that may have lived in Ghana before would know exactly who I'm talking about or what church I'm talking when about when you say the appearance of discipline what do you mean they were they were quick to excommunicate you quick to suspend you yeah if you fell in what is called open sin yeah what wait what's open sin open sin is if someone got pregnant and it comes <laughs> hey, your sin is open <laughs> your sin is open it's not a secret one <laughs> They, they were big on on that, and and to, to to be fair, a lot of that came from the culture. You know, they they just they were they were big on discipline, so that sort of filtered through. But what ended up happening is that becomes what you're known for so much, so that you are now trying to protect that as opposed to protect the people. Wow. And it got to a point where I was speaking to like area heads and asking them, what's more important to you, your 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 church reputation? Or this individual that you are casting away because they have apparently fallen into open sin, mm. if, if that makes sense. Mm. And so it was sort of that sort of thing that sullied my um, my my taste of it. But um, again, I think your your testimony obviously provides a different perspective. So yeah, I, I think that's what's so interesting about this because mm. I think when we think about it kind of holistically it's not even necessarily about whether the church is a mega church or a micro church or a tiger church. there's loads of different categories but it comes down to leadership and what is important to the leader the leaders, yeah. yeah because even in a small church mm-hmm. if someone is proud of their rep and that's what they're trying to protect they're not really going to be looking out for the sheep true you know, because I've so when um when I was in Bible college, um we did this thing called the the vision tour, and so we go back to kind of the home church, which was in America, but we also go to some of the other big churches around, mm-hmm. and I saw how some of those big churches function to make sure that this kind of stuff doesn't happen. You know how they really focus on okay, how do we still look after the one? You know, mm. not just mm. about numbers, but actually, how do we make sure that everybody is discipled, everybody is pastored, everybody has a growth track? You know, they mm. have things called growth tracks. I'm mm. like, what's a growth track? You know, but it's they plan out how to help people grow. Yeah. You know, and that attention is more about that than it is about this is our name and this is who we are. Mm. So I think for me, it's sometimes it's less about the size of the church and it's about leadership and it's about. Yeah what's the focus you know yeah yeah because yeah our people we we, we can be like that like yeah. <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> it makes me so sad yeah it makes yeah. Me so sad because there's a lot of good things about the way that we can do things but mm. then some of this stuff is like i can't be yeah. T- yeah. yeah i'll i'm done going down there <laughs> <laughs> how long have you been waiting to ask that question peter <laughs> no, no, cause, well, I didn't know. I didn't know at all. Oh, um, really? I, I didn't know. I didn't know that we were set up at all. Yeah. And so when when you just said it, because it it does it does speak to an area I'm interested in. Wow. Um, yeah, and, and as I was saying, the church plant I'm part of now. Yeah. Like the focus has been, we need to build relationships. We need to get to know one another, learn to love yeah. one another properly, and then extend that to whoever is coming in. So we still For are real. still like just the leadership sort of. Um, group meeting and, and forming and forming these relationships and praying into what we're supposed to do before we even start going to bring people in because mm. if you're bringing people in you want them to come into an environment of love 
and that's been like the the big thing that that we're we're, we're looking at. So that's why it was it was so interesting to me. Yeah. But I, I actually didn't know at all. This isn't this isn't planned. Do you, no, but do you know what though? I think I really have an appreciation for what you're describing that you guys are doing because mm. I feel like the relationship side of things is the most important side of things because yeah, ultimately the church church by definition i'm not going to use the cliche saying but we know the saying is that it's not just the four walls it's the people mm. um it refers to the body of christ which is made yeah. up of brothers and sisters who have entered this relationship with god been redeemed by the blood and have an eternal relationship with god and i think that sometimes i guess and this is probably like a a general question mark that i probably started my journey with was looking at when look <laughs> i'm so distracted by this conversation my journey <laughs> probably started with looking at the question of how effective um i guess church quote unquote as we've known it and experienced it and seen it firsthand um, and been doing it over the years actually is because i think just throughout the years there have been so many conversations that I've had with people who have in one way, shape, form or another interfaced with believers, um, both in church settings and outside of church settings and stuff who have tried to come around, tried to get plugged in and for one reason or another has slipped through the cracks. And mm-hmm. and I think that's almost, I, I, I don't know if there's ever like a, a, a way to stop that altogether, but I think it's things like that and when I see some of the outcomes as well that cause and have caused me to ask questions and to start, I guess, digging through church history and trying to understand the origins of what we do, why we do it. Because, you know, like, don't get me wrong, like, this is not even a crusade against um, local gatherings. I made that very clear from before. I'm just going to repeat yeah. it again in case somebody missed the first part of the podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, honestly, I think there are, there are definitely benefits um, to having some sort of structure in place and stuff like that. I get it, I see it. And and I don't think anything can be taken away from just the coming together of believers. I don't think I could ever go all the way digital, like mm. with my, my relation, like this whole remote situation, this lockdown situation, if this was life forever and evermore, I think it would drive me crazy. Take um, me now, Jesus. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I, I, I think... I think for me, when I talk about kind of like being in a church, I think I'm talking more about being planted with a group of believers yeah. than necessarily just attending a church on a Sunday. Yeah, talk about it. Do you see what I mean? So I think for me, it's like that being planted is what's so important because where God has connected you, because it talks about God connecting you where he sees fit, right? He, there's a place for you mm. where your gifts and talents will bless other people, yeah. but also their gifts and talents will bless you. Yeah. So that's why for me, when someone says about not really being connected into a church, that's the bit for me that is most important because, you know, people are going to be missing your supply and you're going to be missing their supply. So when there's stuff that comes up, that's the people who, because so Paul, for example, when he had been in prison it said he went back to his company right he had a group of believers who were praying for him and that kind of stuff and that's who he was connected to and that's where he went back to and for me it's kind of that thing of having your company but it's also understanding does that mean that it has to be that church that you go to every Sunday Mm. not necessarily Um, 
because just because when no oh, sorry go yeah go go first. no no go on, go on. I was gonna actually add to that some people get really territorial about that as well by the way yeah yeah like yeah. Um, and I think that's also somewhere that we sometimes have gone wrong as believers where we almost go on as if God only exists in this gathering and nowhere else like <laughs> so, so what where I was actually about to go is that I feel like we have a lot of pressure around stuff like numbers yeah um and that control right yeah because i feel like when you look at the early church right they were adding like sometimes three thousand people in a day Mm. like pretty mega church right Mm. that's a big group of believers but also at the same time they had that relation that relationship focus Mm. you see what i mean but sometimes we see that and see oh they added three thousand in a day we need to be growing our church and then if someone tries to leave that kind of takes away from your number Mm. you know so it's like I feel like that pressure on numbers and also giving and all that kind of stuff, it makes it really hard to be free with people, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to say, oh, actually, you want to go over there? Go over there with my blessing, you know? Yeah. That's how it could be. Because, like, for me, the way I see it is this is all God's house. I'm just going from one room to another room because yeah. I feel like I'm pulled into another room. Yeah. You know, I'm not leaving the faith. I'm just changing changing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to see my cousins and my brothers. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like just going to the other room of our house. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's also hard sometimes for leaders because it is quite a personal thing. Yeah. Mm. And I think with Peter, like what you were saying about seeing leadership and stuff like that is that I've been quite privileged in a lot of ways to be in the middle. Mm. you know where kind of once you start getting plugged in and stuff like that you do have a bit more interaction with like the main pastor or whatever so i've seen a lot of those things that happen Mm. and at the end of the day they're just human you know like they're human stuff hurts you know so sometimes someone leaving can feel personal Mm. that's true that's true yeah it's that it's just like there's so many different dynamics to all of this Mm. certainly certainly i think um there is room for i think there's room for all sorts uh, because it is such an individual thing and because your relationship with god really shouldn't be filtered through your pastor or through anyone else for sure so ideally we're all connected to god and then connected to each other we all hear from god bro (laughs) that's 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 how it should be i was gonna throw a curveball out there as well on that same (laughs) inside joke there but question no Mm. just just to put out there and stuff a believer comes to a conclusion about a decision they want to make their pastor disagrees mm. what then I, I heard i heard pastor prince once um pastor prince is like a he's in singapore or something joseph prince yeah. joseph prince yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. he once said if you the beauty of where we are now the beauty of um, the veil being torn and that's not requiring a high priest per se yeah. because we've got a high priest on the right hand side of God is everyone has access to God everyone hears from God and thus, yeah. and thus <laughs> his, his point well his point was his yeah. point was if you receive a prophecy from whoever including himself mm. you had better make sure that there is peace in your spirit yeah. because your spirit will always also bear witness with the truth and thus if there is a disconnect there you should be careful so if you heard something from god and your pastor disagrees i think there's wisdom there's wisdom there as to 
where your maturities are and i think you know practically yeah where is your maturity are you sure it's from god and you know does your pastor have that role in your life but mm-hmm. otherwise i think our our relationship with god isn't to be filtered through the pastor isn't no. to be filtered through anyone yeah. they are a father figure they are a shepherd figure yes but ultimately they should be able to they should be leading you to interact with god on a one-on-one anyway mm-hmm. So I think, ideally, if it's from God, then roll with it, regardless of whether like your pastor agrees. But I, I think I think it also depends. Like, what do we think the pastor's role and responsibility is? Talk about mm-hmm. it. Like for me, the pastor's role and responsibility isn't to control my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and it also depends. Like, why am I going to my pastor? Right, am I going to him to say, this is what I feel like God is telling me to do? Right. Do you bear witness with it? Do you see any issues with it? Right. Because for me, it's like, it's like I would go to my dad. Mm. Like, I don't go to my dad and say, Dad, I want to do this. Am I allowed to do it? Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Because that's my dad. I say, Dad, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I feel like I've heard. What do you think? Mm. Right. Mm. And my dad will always give me advice as opposed to instruction. It'll be rare that my dad will be like, don't do that. Yeah. You know? And if my dad does that, I have to ask him why. You know, because my dad's human. Sometimes, mm. <laughs> sometimes my mother said some stuff to me. I'm like, but what, mum, why? And when we probe it a little bit, I understand, okay, that's part of her Nigerian upbringing or you whatever. Say, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we mm. have that we have that conversation and yeah. actually because my parents they try and be kingdom minded when I probe those things it's from I'm trying to do it respectfully firstly yeah. and I think I mean, no matter what you're going to do if you're going to do something that your pastor disagrees with it's okay as long as you're respectful mm. you know because it's when you're kind of like oh I don't need you and this and this and this and you can't tell me this that's a problem Yeah. but it's okay to respectfully disagree mm. Um, but I think for me, it's about understanding also why does my pastor not disagree with it? Yeah. You know, there is there is wisdom in counsel. But if yeah. there are going to be some times when your pastor might not see the thing that God has told you, yeah, you have to do it anyway. I mean, especially as you even made the point, you know, some pastors might find it personal. If, for instance, you're doing something that isn't in line with what they want to do or in line yeah. with their vision or something like that. And it takes... Uh, you know, almost it takes a mature pastor to be able to recognize that and exactly. say, yeah, this doesn't fit with me, but I can see how God says this for you sort of thing. So I think there are all those elements. But I think that being respectful is key. Yeah. You know, just not, not being so bullheaded about it. I think that's key. <laughs> because yeah. I think there's a difference between honoring someone and yeah. obeying them. Right. Because yeah, yeah. sometimes we take it like, oh, honor your father and your mother means you have to do everything that they tell you to do. Yeah. Let's but... Honor them in the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about it. Sorry. So the reason why I even asked the question, and I'm glad mm. that it went the way that it went, um, and I do think this is beneficial com- conversation as well. I'm sure you both agree. <laughs> but the reason why I'm asking is because I know that that is a big area for a lot of us, especially when when you've surrendered to Christ, whether you're a new believer or you've been walking for a while, like mm. no one wants to get it wrong. And mm. I think some people do default to um, to looking for that extra confirmation in what they're doing. And again, like I said, we're all inclined differently. Some of us are more entrepreneurial in our thinking quote unquote in that you don't necessarily look for 
the the check by default um mm. some people are that way inclined and there's nothing wrong i think either way it's about having the right balance um yeah. and not being i think too far to the left or to the right either side mm. um one thing i would say though is that when it's something to do with your own life yeah that's slightly different than when it's something to do with church what do you mean so if you say to your pastor I really feel like we should lead worship this way this Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Obviously, you're stepping into the territory of like our setup now. That's I hear yeah. you. Yeah, so, so I agree I, on that. Yeah, that's I'm good. It's a good like, point to clarify. Where, yeah, where it's his authority area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 100% wrong. <laughs> yeah in his house. Like, yeah. If he doesn't want you to go that way, don't go that way because that's rebellion. Come into my like, house with muddy boots. Nah, bro. You, you, swear, oh, you can't do that. You, know, yeah. you can't do that. And there are going to be times when your pastor is going to get it wrong. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to happen. And there might be a time... You know, go on. No, no, no. Go on and say it like that. I was going to say there might be a time where you really feel like God is saying to go this way. But yeah. would God rather you just went that way and dishonored your pastor? I don't necessarily think so. You know? Go on. Yeah, so, so basically the, the angle that I was trying to get at is that we're humans. Like yeah. from the pulpit to the pew, from the workplace at your desk to uh, the, the shop, like we're all human beings um, uh, and whatever our role and position is, we are all capable of getting things wrong. So, um, and I think that I think that was the point that I wanted to draw out is not, not to shame or people tell people to start rebelling against their leadership mm. and stuff like that no. that they may have in place. That's not what we're going for. <laughs> but it's more, <laughs> it's more, <laughs> it's more just encouraging us as brothers and sisters to just remember that you know we all hear from God. That's where that inside joke comes from a little bit. <laughs> but um, I, think, I but, think one thing but, though that I've really learned from being kind of in that middle position yeah. is that pastors see and hear and experience a lot of things that people who have never been in that position they will never yeah. experience yeah 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 like bro I agree, man. sometimes i see from like i don't want to be a pastor oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah like people want to be called pastor and apostle but you don't know what it comes with no this yeah. is it yeah and you know and i think one of the things that actually even stemmed this part of the conversation was i actually listened to a video the other day that i came across um by a guy who he i he So the thing that actually prompted this part of the conversation <laughs> was a um, a video that I came across the other day where a guy who was in a leadership position just basically pretty much owned up and said that he got things wrong. And wow. and I think it was listening to him, like he's not someone I've ever listened to in that way, shape or form or another, but I think stumbling across that mm. and just hearing him as a human being communicating the fact that you know what i messed up mm. like i got something wrong and i think openly admitting that mm. i think seeing that i thought yeah that's you know that's actually a that's really nice. a really good and honorable thing because i think what that does for the people who may look up to you or who may follow you is it gives them a sense of practical visible evidence that you two are human yeah. so that they don't make the mistake of idolizing you and yeah. Yeah. viewing you as the high priest yeah. But instead, they identify that, you know, you are someone just like them. Mm. Um, 
I, I really feel like all this stuff needs to be balanced with maturity. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like sometimes we take that thing of, you know, we're all human, blah, blah, blah. And then some people take it to the extreme where they're like, well, yeah. you're human just like me. No, yeah. Like, what makes you different? And that's you know? where that real we all hear from God came from. <laughs> that's, what, yeah. <laughs> that's what we go to that place. But, yeah. Because you see, not... like, Moses and Aaron and Miriam. Yeah. Where they're yeah. Like, who are you? Yeah, like <laughs> you married an Ethiopian woman. Like, what are you gonna tell me? Yeah, yeah. God showed them who he was. <laughs> He's like, come outside. Come outside. <laughs> No, certainly. I mean, you know, my, my daughter now that she's like crawling and trying to walk everywhere, she will see cables under the desk and want to grab it. And I can say no, you know, and obviously her heart is telling her to grab it. But yeah. I'm saying no. And it's quite literally because she's not mature enough to recognize. That's Absolutely, very true. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's important. That's definitely an important part. Which actually okay. reminds me of Hebrews 5, which I think I've mentioned in another episode. Um, but it refers to towards the end of the chapter about how it speaks about discernment and discernment being almost like an evidence of maturity or something that is associated with maturity um being able to distinguish between good and evil being a sign of maturity i.e that being discernment so so i think that feeds into the practical example that you just spoke about with your daughter in that Mm. she is immature hence why her skills in the area of discernment between safe and unsafe are going to be <laughs> <laughs> a lot less reliable yeah but you know what? i think even for leaders though it's like it's something that people need to be aware of but they also need to be humble about yeah so i had this experience at work this week right where i think we've talked before about the, the problem lady that i had at my office right yeah and um, there was a there's another lady in my office who was she was kind of stuck in the middle because she knows me she knows this other girl yeah. and um, I had never quite knew how she took the situation and this week she had to give some tough feedback to someone yeah and, and after what she said was she was like I now have a lot more respect for what you went through with this girl <laughs> <laughs> I'm like wait only now just like you're only now yeah. you're seeing it but sometimes people have to go through stuff yeah. To understand what yeah. you're going. So yeah. as a leader, when someone misunderstands you and mm. they don't see the whole picture, it's it's actually okay. Yeah. And further down the line, they might actually start to understand. And when that comes around, you can't be like a jerk about it. Yeah. You know, you just take it because for me in that moment, I'm thinking, what? What do you mean now? Like this yeah. thing was horrible. But yeah actually that's the journey that she's going through she's seeing it in a different way and if that person is mature mm. her saying that for me was maturity mm. you know she expressed how she felt about it and i think from the leadership point of view we need to be open to engage with that kind of thing yeah. so just like that guy admitted he was wrong and that kind of stuff yeah. it's like we need to be open we need to be humble about how we navigate those things yeah definitely um and don't let it make you Oh, these people, they just haven't been through it yet, so they don't know. Because sometimes they know things that we don't know too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think maturity and balance from both sides is so important. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I did not expect this to go this way. (laughs) Neither did I. (laughs) What? (laughs) 
thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Reason to Behold podcast. Um, we hope the conversations have been helpful for you. Um, and if you have any questions or comments, then leave them where questions and comments are left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, thank you so much. Peace.